Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. One thing is I like to make my decisions based on the numbers. I tell my clients to make their decisions based on by the numbers. But I've got a lot of clients that hate numbers, right? Yeah. And you're a numbers man, right? Which yeah. is great because if you're a numbers a man or a numbers lady, it's a lot easier for you to take decisions. And then actually it doesn't really become that difficult to make the decision because you're being led there logically, right? But a lot of people don't get that. Um, and a lot of people don't want to look at the numbers. A lot of people don't want to sometimes face the realities of where they're at, but they need to. So it's been having that data background actually been for you as an entrepreneur, do you feel? Yeah, I think very. I've not met many other people like myself yet, I suppose, who are kind of that number-driven but risk-taking at the same time. Normally, you're kind of one or the other. I think it's kind of a right-brain, left-brain thing, maybe. But um, yeah, and it's but we yeah, it just kind of works for us. So we we take we take these risks, we put the numbers behind them, and it's without the numbers, yeah, I'd be terrified. We know what to do. Um, I think. So, I think having that is definitely. Well, you find comfort in the numbers. So look, we've got a couple of other questions coming in from online as well. Um, so first one: lots of businesses would be tempted to decrease marketing spend during difficult times. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so you know we see that with some of the people we're selling to, and some of our clients, and that, that was our fear at the start. That's what people would do. That's the natural thing for businesses struggling. Would you cut off? You cut off marketing. Don't generally. That's that's the old kind of adage. But I've never really agreed with it because if you cut your marketing off, then you're giving up, aren't you? Really, in many ways. So I think it's a case of again looking at our data and knowing what part of your marketing is working and what isn't, and then you're not sure about something, you're not seeing the return on investment, then cut it off. But because our system is quite transparent, you get you know normally between five and 10 leads opportunities in your account a week, you can see really clearly what you're getting. And then am I winning that work? Am I not winning that work? And kind of calculate back really quickly. So I think it's got, you're clear, you know, I have the same thinking. You, is if you invest in marketing in difficult time, you're actually going to gain better results a lot of the time. In terms of your business model, which is interesting, I was looking at your business model. You've managed to sign some really high-profile clients yourself, haven't you? Talk about yeah. some of the people working with you as clients now. So we've got all sorts. So we've got everything from small one-man bands all the way up to like big mega agencies like Saatchi and Saatchi work with us. All sorts, really. Um, we've got all sorts of all sorts of brands and agencies. Um, yeah, really big ones, really, um, which is great. Our, kind of our products really targeted at businesses who are, you know, two to thirty people, something like that, probably. And um, kind of SME small business space. But we're adding a lot of new features at the moment. They're kind of going to push that up a little bit. But yeah, even despite that, we're picking up big clients still who want to give it a go, which is good. Yeah, which is awesome, absolutely. And and you've gone with this transparent business model, right? So your numbers, your pricing, it's all out there for all to see. We're pretty clear with it, and that's the same for every client, isn't it? it doesn't matter who you are. Is that the yeah, same? same for every client? Yeah, same for every client. We we've raised the prices, which is probably worth mentioning actually, probably three times in this period as well. 
it's would you like a price rise if you, if you sign up for the price rise or you price locks? So we'll ask you a question on that, right? Because one of the things that we frequently have culture and we meet people all the time. We've got thousands of clients from all different lines of business. And one of the things that most of them need to do, most of most of the people watching tonight, most of the people watching tonight, or a lot of the people who are watching tonight are probably not charging their worth or not making the correct margin for their products or services. Even some of my top clients, even some of my clients that are performing at very, very, very high levels don't raise their prices and haven't raised their prices in different periods. You're saying you've raised your prices three times during this period. So what was the mindset behind that? Tell me about There's a lot of fear around that. There's a, always a lot of fear. So you've got a different way of thinking, Ben, which I think is really interesting. So originally we started out we, we started out with the freemium model. So people sign up, try us for free for seven days, and then it was 99 quid a month after that yeah. to get started. And, yeah, first thing we did just before lockdown is we got rid of the free trial. That, that killed that off. A lot, a lot of people wasting time. A lot of people causing us problems because they didn't want to, didn't, they just want us to play with it. It's hard work. So we're straight away into you have to pay straight away. So we've just done that just before lockdown as well. And that was kind of a – we'd have the free trial for 18 months at that point. So that's a scary thing to do for us. Straight away, within a week, we're like, best decision we've ever made. Should have done that ages ago. It was great. Everyone okay. can time. Just quickly, just interject, just quickly. Yeah. So a couple of weeks in, that was the best decision we ever made. Mm-hmm. What would you have done if it weren't a couple of weeks, it was a couple of months and it weren't quite working? Uh, we, we could have rolled it back. We had a couple of other, like – options in terms of shorter trials or yeah. different ways of doing the trial. We had a few few kind of backup plans, but that was that was kind of the what we wanted to work on. And what we did first is we, we proved it. So before we got rid of the trial, we launched another brand, which I, I knocked up a WordPress website, which was exactly the same product as Meet Hugo, but under a different name, and made it so you could sign up on there with no trial and just did some adverts to so just call people buy this. And if they do, we'll just tell them oh, it's Meet Hugo actually and put them through the same thing. And people did. People started buying. So we ended up with about 10 clients on this random other brand straight away and went, okay, well, that works. So we were pretty confident at the time that it was going to be okay. We take a like, quite test and learn approach to see what see what's going to work. That's awesome. Um, so good that again. That works. I love that. You know, the fact that you created basically like a, a test brand to go out there and sell a new product on. So you went, that's, that's good, man. Well yeah, done. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then we, yeah, we just we, we acquired that brand. It went back into the Mihigo family and disappeared after a while. No, no one's worked. <laughs> so we did that, and then yeah, and then we launched. I think it must have been about April, May time. We decided to crank the pricing up, so we went from ninety nine pound a month to I think one four nine a month or something like that. So it's about fifty percent increase. Didn't affect sales at all, and then we realized that we wanted to actually lock people in a little bit longer. So we stopped selling monthly deals at all. We couldn't pay monthly anymore. The shortest period you could pay for was a quarter. So I think now the pricing was four £449 for a quarter, I think, to start with. And now we sell a quarterly package, six-monthly package, and an annual package only. Um, so we've got the prices and extended the length that someone can sign up for a minimum. Kind of done that at different steps. And every time we do it, actually gets the sales team really excited because you always, everyone in your pipeline say that the price is going up on the 1st of January. You need to sign up now and you get a rush and everyone loves it and it's great. And you get a good buzz about it and then you have a couple of quiet days afterwards because the pipeline's gone because everyone signed up, obviously. And then you've got to start again. But it works really nicely and yeah, it's something that we like doing. So yeah, it works. I want to ask you a question, a different question. So something, a lot of the things that you're saying are the things that I, I tell my clients quite regularly. And one of them is about the importance of speed and the importance of speed in business and doing things fast and having the ability to adapt fast and take action fast. It sounds like that's something you're doing. So what's your opinion on the importance of speed in business? 
yeah, I'm all about we're all about sort of moving fast, breaking things, that kind of Facebook approach. I used to say, if you can't do it in three days, don't do it. Now we're a bit bigger and slower. Like it, that probably doesn't work quite the same. Oh, I love it. I'm going to say, I don't know if Chris Cook watching or not, but that's my. I'm actually going to adopt that saying. Chris, if I'm in three days, don't do it. Bang. All right, three days. I'm like, that's good, for me. Like, like me, like me here itself. I I was sat in a room going. So I told my last business. I was kind of just doing some bits and bobs, really, kind of wondering what to do next. And I, I had the idea on must be on a Friday. I had, I had my first paying customer on the Monday. Launched over the weekend. Launched over the weekend. Built it. Launched it. Signed it up on Monday. And went okay. This works. And it's it's about yeah, speed's essential. Like if you can't do it fast, then it's probably not going to work. A lot of time. Not always, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Uh, a lot of people put far too much, you, you know, emphasis on perfection and yeah. having it perfect. Well, it's all about progression, not perfection. Okay, yeah. so we've got a question in from Hannah. Uh, Hannah Viney. And one of the things I'll say, we talk about speed. We've lined up guests for this, um, on a, I think, on a Tuesday evening. I think we're doing today on a Thursday, but I think I've got every Tuesday evening lined up for the next uh, eight weeks with special guests. So if you like the sound of that, everyone put it in the comments, bring in lots of great people to you. Ben's the first one. Now, the reason that Ben's the first one is because Ben was the quickest to come back. Ben was asked. He was on it straight away. Immediately, yes, I'm up for it. And I think that that just shows you that the person that takes opportunities is that the person that moves faster is the person that ends up in business, you know, and, and goes out to and grows and, and there'll be look we've got we've had hundreds of business owners on tonight already right that are coming through as i can see uh through the different channels um and there's going to be some people tonight that are going to be going on your website aren't they you know and they're going to be looking at what you do without a shadow of a doubt there's going to be some businesses that want to do some business with you ben and the reality is if you took four weeks to say yes it wouldn't have happened would it you know, and I think that's what it's all about. And for me, it's about getting those lessons across to the people that follow and getting them to understand that the speed and the movement creates that momentum and those results. So this question is from Hannah Viney. Um, which, what's the hardest lessons that you've learned in business so far? Tough one. I'd say probably being too lenient. So I'm quite a, I'm not a, like a hard boss. I'm quite a nice boss, I think. Pretty nice to people. So people get a lot of slack and sometimes, you know, not, not necessarily in this business, but in the past, some people are probably taking the mickey a little bit, but also with clients as well. So again, probably not here because we're a bit more of a subscription, subscription model. In the old marketing business, we had a few clients that they weren't worth our time or hassle. The old, the old rule of 10% of business is taking up 90% of your time and all that. But we learn in the end, you know, Sometimes you've got to sack a client. Um, and, yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but it's, sometimes it's necessary. So I think they're probably the hard things, probably. So actually having people take advantage of your good nature, would you say? That's been... So, so, yeah. You know what? Honestly, that, you know, and, and I joke because I'm a lot tougher now, though, than I used to be in the beginning. But in the beginning, I was far, I was always, always going too much, always was too kind, always, you know, and it is a, it's a difficult lesson. And as you become more successful, you get more requests. <laughs> and then in the end, it can be to your detriment, can't it, you know, in a big, big, big one. But yeah, absolutely. So really, that's the big, the, one of the hardest lessons for you. Learn not to be yeah. great. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you can't be everyone's friend, unfortunately. You've got to be the boss as well. So it's tough sometimes. Good stuff. So another question we've got coming. This one's from Kevin. How do you make your email campaigns avoid the spam folder when sending to your list? I think you said the answer to that, but I'm not going to let you say it again. Yeah, getting people to opt in, being consistent, make sure they still want it. And we, we tried a few different platforms and stuff like that. So about using data again to make sure that what you're using and what you're doing is 
most effective and we've found generally like sending blue or MailChimp seems to be the best for us generally with our subscribers but we tried everything I think pretty much tried everything out there and they seem to, be, seem to be the best ones for us but yeah just trying to make sure we do it in the right way but you always get some people that hate spam filter and stuff that's just the way of the world but yeah just got to do your best with it and use the data yeah it sounds to me that you're doing such a high level of segmentation that you're probably not going to be hitting too much junk yeah yeah everyone every email should be relevant to yeah, the smaller the list you send to, the more it's going to get through. You know, if you're smacking out 100,000 emails, you just, you know, the, the reality is it's not going to go through to a ton of people. But if you're actually really going deep on the data, you're going to get much better results, as you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. I've got another question here. So this is from my market manager actually it's asked this question. So it's a good question, right? Really good question. So, Ben, if you wake up tomorrow and it's the 1st of January 2020, what would you do differently? Do I, do I have the benefit of hindsight and knowing what's going to happen the rest of the year? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. That was what makes the question interesting. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, so, <laughs> I'll probably go straight down the bank and be like, right, I want, I want a big loan and I'd hire a massive team straight away and be ready to go first. So we'd be oh, straight away. We, we wouldn't be where we are now. Now we'd be where we are now in February, ready to go, basically, and capitalising straight away. So I think we'd do that. So we'd go bigger, bigger, faster, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, that's awesome. You know, good question, but even the comments, you know, what would you, what would you actually do? How would you, how would you handle it looking back? You know, and I think that actually that is a, is a really good point because cash is one of the, pretty much the most important thing in a business. I was only saying to a client the other day, they were saying, look, I don't really know where I stand. And I said, well, where you stand is if your business has got enough cash to get through, you don't have a problem. You've got a problem when your business runs out of cash because cash is the blood of your business. And if you yep. run out of blood, you die. All right? So we don't want to do that. We want to make sure we keep the cash. Absolutely. So good answer there. Good answer. <laughs> um, so we've got another question in. Is there a quicker way to build an email database? Um, so it's a good question. Very relevant question. Uh, we get new customers, obviously, but it's slow. So any methods that you use particularly, uh, Ben, for building email databases? A couple of things. We, we used to do a bunch of conferences and things like that where we'd collect a lot of data from people, which is always really good and get a lot in a day. Um, but just having kind of nice lead magnet-based content so people who aren't customers, but people who are the right kind of customers. We do a lot of blogging, a lot of ebooks, a lot of, you know, things like that that draw people in, that stuff people are going to want. So, you know, we'll do content around, for our market, we might do content around, you know, what should a new web design cost me? And people will be banging in their emails to find out that kind of information so they know when they go and find it and then they're opting in to kind of receive the right kind of stuff from us later and all of that. So it's taking that whole content marketing approach and people at HubSpot do a great job with, with that, they're a good one to look at, and we, we look at them as well because they're a good example of how to do it quite well. But yeah, there's no silver bullet, unfortunately. It's hard work. But yeah, there's some of the things we do. You mentioned about a team in the Philippines. We, we use people in the Philippines as well for outsourcing. I've done something I recommend to a lot of clients. What do you find particularly useful there with your outsourcing? Perhaps you do use that for any of your database growth? So we've got a, so mainly it's a sales team out there. So we hire them based on kind of having an American approach to sales being really educated, never complaining and being just generally awesome. They're great. But we also have a couple of people out there who deal with data for us, mainly internally. So they'll deal with if we have people who are opening our emails. We've got a lady out there who does data, takes through everyone who's clicked and open our emails that week about a certain projects and we'll then give that to the sales team to say, like, these are the ones we're going to be speaking to today, for instance. And that yeah. speeds that process up a lot and she'll give them their phone numbers and et cetera. But we don't really use them for finding the emails 
that we're going to go out and email. But I get, I get why you could. But yeah, yeah. In terms of outsourcing, obviously, it's yeah. We're a big fan of it. Came about for our CTO had his whole whole tech team previously at his previous company out there, and just yeah, they're great. And it's really rewarding actually having them because they're used to being employed by American companies who are pretty mean to them. I think generally, so yeah, they really appreciate sort of working for a nice company. I think and do a great job. So. Good stuff. So we'll do a couple of quick fire questions, you know, uh, just really for the audience to give them a bit of an idea of some of the things that will influence you. So, you know, what would you say is, let's go with first an easy one, best, say, business book or favorite inspiring book that you've read? Lean Startup by Eric Ries. I'm all about moving fast, breaking things, testing, learning, using data. So, yeah. Okay, so the Lean Startup, yeah. Very good book, actually. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So Lean Startup, do you listen to any particular podcast, say a couple of podcasts that you listen to and you like? I mean, you're on one now. What's the, what the other one? <laughs> <laughs> you're number one, obviously. Yeah, obviously yours. Um, I'm, not a podcast I'm not a big podcast listener for some reason. I don't know. I, I'm a reader. If I read, I generally read like a book, physical book as well, personally. I like, I like to read you know, startup stories and like founders' own stories about stuff. So, um, you know, that's my favorite source of reading is actually a, a story, a, a startup story. You know, I've read quite yeah, like tons. Well, give us one of those that you like. What do you like? Let's see if I see we're on the same lines. Uh, I really like Startup Land by what's his name? The guy who runs Zendesk, Zendesk Mikhail Svane. I think it's called something like that. That's a really good one. Just a really interesting story. And you know, he's got a, his wife's. Death, I think, and then they moved from Norway or Sweden over to, over to the States, and it's it's just a really interesting story about how it all started. And yeah, it's just really interesting, basically, how we, the whole journey. Okay, awesome. Good stuff. I like that one. Okay, what's the uh, most inspiring, say, film? Is there a film or a series that you like that inspires you usually? I like Peaky Blinders. I like the business element of it, I think. <laughs> Peaky Blinders. Yeah. <laughs> if in doubt, shoot them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff. A uh, couple of good ones there. Okay, so um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so everybody, say a big thank you in the comments to Ben for coming and joining us. Uh, if you want to go and check what Ben does and check out a bit more about him, you can go to hugo.co.uk, buddy. Uh, com. I mean, hugo.com. There's a live demo on there. So you can have a look and just play around and see what it looks like. And yeah, have a look. Yeah, so meethugo.com. It looked really good to me when I had a look and I saw what he does. He generates six to 10 leads for a business pretty much every, is it every week or every month that you do that for him? Every week for most businesses. It all depends on what criteria they set as to what kind of leads they want. So if you're really niche and you're just in one area and do one little thing, then it will generally be like one to four. If you're a bit more broad, then it'll be six to ten. Generally, is the rule. Yeah. So go and check uh, check Ben stuff out. Sounds awesome. Um, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, I had a look earlier. Was pretty impressed. A uh, couple of last bits from us before we wrap up tonight. So a big thank you, Ben. You've been an amazing guest, my man. Uh, some really cool stuff. Congratulations on uh, your success during this lockdown and the things you shared tonight. I'm sure there's a couple of real good golden nuggets there for everyone this evening that they can learn from. And you know, I hope it certainly continues for you. And I'm sure there'll be a few people getting in touch with you so thanks very much oh, for coming right thanks for having me thanks for having me no worries good night everybody and i look forward to seeing you uh, very soon with another live this week thanks everyone see you soon Cheers. hey everybody adam here and i hope you loved today's episode hope you thought it was fabulous and if you did i'd like to ask you a small favor could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review of course i'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review we're putting our all into this podcast for you delivering you the content giving you the secrets and if you've enjoyed it please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps 
every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.